morning, guys. It's good to see y'all this morning. Thank you, Jesus, for a little bit of cloud cover this morning. Woo. Man, it's been so hot. Y'all come on, stand up, and we get uh, ready to start with worship this morning. God, we thank you and we praise you for this day, Lord, for the awesome privilege it is to come together uh, before you, Lord, to give you praise, honor, and glory to God. It's in your name I pray. Blessed assurance. Blessed assurance. Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. There is salvation. Virtuous God.
man. Come on. Come on, give him some praise this morning.
instrument that be flat. What a good feeling knowing that every step we take, he knows where we're going. And he goes before us. It's one thing to think about taking God with us into any battle. But it's a whole nother realization knowing that he already has a victory. So many times we try to do things the way we think it's supposed to happen. I know I have. That's why a lot of times I don't get to know the plan or the end goal. He just says, trust me, follow me. He already, he already won. Thank you, Jesus. I see you taking ground. I see you press ahead. Your power is dangerous to the enemy's game. And you still do miracles. You will do what you say. For you're the same God now that you've always been. Huh. Your spirit's breaking out. Your kingdom moving in. Your victory claims the ground at the end of the end. You still do miracles. You will do what you said. For you're the same God now that you've always been. And that's the power of your name. Just a introduced a new song last week and uh, like I said last week from everything that God impressed on my heart what it spoke to me was just you know when you feel like you've said all the words when you feel like you've prayed all the prayers when you feel like you've done all you can do you're tired you're broken down you're worn out don't feel like you got anything less to give, anything else to give, excuse me. That that's when you set everything else aside, everything else is in the background, and you command your soul to give him praise.
my words fall short. I got nothing new. How could I express all my gratitude? I could sing these songs as I often Every song must end, but you never do. So I throw up my hands and praise you again and again. Cause all that I have is a hallelujah, Except for hearts singing hallelujah, hallelujah. So I've got one response, I've got just one wish in my arms stretched wide. Yeah. 
but with many reasons, God, that people would have had him stay away. He knew that coming to you, Jesus, he knew that you were safe. He knew that you were powerful. He knew that you were able. His only question was if you were willing. And Jesus, you were always willing. You make us clean. You make us whole. It's never about what we bring. We have nothing to bring. And that's all we need. We love you, Jesus, for rescuing us, for healing us, for making us whole, for giving us the song that we sing to you. We thank you for your spirit that you left with us to encourage us, guide us, and lead us home to be with you in the presence of your Father, Jesus. Thank you for that hope. Thank you for who you are. Thank you for who we are in you. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen, amen. <sighs> Good morning, everyone. How are you doing? Good, good. I'm going to ask the ushers to come forward. Let's welcome our guests today. If you're here worshiping with us uh, for your first time or second time or third time or hundredth time or whatever time, we are thankful to have you here with us today. Um, this week I got to spend some extra time up here. Uh, we had community events going on in the evening. Uh, it was really cool to be part of hosting uh, the Follies this week, a neat community event benefiting our first responders and just neat to be able to host that in our building, uh, to watch Jordan Thielman running around like a madman trying to keep the building in order and run sound and do everything to be an amazing host to this group that came in um, to see to see some folks from our church uh, involved in that and just be able to be part of that. And I was up here on Thursday 
and the men's Bible study was kind enough to let me slip in uh, and be a part of that and just sit with those guys as well uh, and just talk about the Word and grow together. I love what we're able to do up here during the week, excited about the things that are coming this fall and just how we get to interact with community. So thank you for being a church that helps make that happen and helps make the things happen that we do in the community through your giving, through your presence, through your help. Pray with me if you will. We're going to have the ushers go forward as we continue to worship. Lord, we thank you again, God, as with our song in our heart, God, is the same as what we have in our wallet. You give to us so that we are able to give back to bless the work and help the work of your kingdom. God, you don't need us, but you use us. Let us be cheerful and grateful, God. And thank you for providing for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. As we said, if you are a guest, we would love to be able to connect with you. We have New Here cards on the back of your chair. You can fill those out. You can fill out one online and just drop it either in the bucket as it goes by or in the little metal boxes in the back. That's just a chance for us to get to connect with you. We also have a guest table in the lobby with a gift for you if we have an opportunity just to say hello and uh, connect with you, let you know that we are glad that you are here with us today. We have a few announcements on the video, as we always do, and then looking forward to breaking open the Word together as we continue to grow together to be more and more like Jesus. Thank you for being here to worship with us today. God bless you. What's up, CF Paris? We are so excited that you're here with us today. We have a few announcements for you, so here we go. First off, this Tuesday, it's our church's turn to stock the downtown food pantry. So you show up, 6 o'clock, downtown at the food pantry it does not take very long and it's an incredible way to serve our community next start here is coming up next sunday so if you're interested in that that's a place where you can go ask questions or if you have any uh, uh, thoughts about church this is where you would go to ask those questions it starts right before service about 30 minutes it's going to be out in the lobby in one of the meeting rooms there'll be a sign and you'll know where to go all right guys and in two weeks on august 20th we are having our back to school bash we are super excited about this. This is a church-wide event. It's not just for families or kids. It's for everyone. So bring a towel for your kids. Bring some sunscreen because we know it's been hot. Mm -hmm. Bring a dish or dessert to share. The church is going to be providing hamburgers and hot dogs, but we want all the sides that you can bring. I think I've heard, uh, I don't even know what everyone was wanting. Potato salad, the little, what do you all call the things. Those, those all things. All things. things that you wrapped in, jalapenos wrapped in uh, bacon. Brandon, I think, was asking for those. Might have been Greg. So someone bring those. All of them. Um, <laughs> we're just super excited just to celebrate the end of summer and kick off the new school year together as a family. So that's two weeks on the 20th. And that's it. Pastor Brandon is coming up, coming up. next. What's up, CF Paris? We are so excited that you're here with us today. We have a few announcements for you. So here we go. First off, this Tuesday, it's... Lead Pastor uh, Corey is on what we call a sabbatical, and so it's a time away um, that we have given them with for their 10 years of service. And um, sabbatical is a cool thing because um, not only does it bless them, but it blesses us because we kind of have to ask the question, like, what is that about anyway? Like, he just gets six weeks off? What is that? I wish I could... That would be awesome, right? And so we get to think about what that word sabbatical means and, um, and so it, 
it kind of helps us ponder and remember and kind of look back to, you know, it's something that God started um, in the very beginning. In the very beginning, he created the heavens and the earth, and each day he had something that he did, and he stopped after each day, and he saw what he did, and he called it what? Good. And then what happened on the seventh day? Do you think that he rested because he needed to rest? You think he got tired of creating, and so he's like, oh, whew, I got I to gotta take a break. I need to take a nap. I mean, it was a lot of work, but... Uh, he, didn't, he didn't take a break because he needed it. He took a break because he needed to set an example for us. Because he created us and he set us in the garden and the first task that he gave us was to work. But then what was the second thing he gave us to do? To rest. And so before the law, before the Bible, before anything, there was this idea and concept of Sabbath. And so it's really important that as believers, if we're trying to live in communion with the Father and follow Jesus to the best of our ability, that we understand this idea of a Sabbath rest. And so um, we're excited that Corey and Melissa is able to enjoy that in a very practical way. And we're excited that we as a church get to think about it too and pray for them and pray about it in our own lives as we're kind of going through these next several weeks together. And so before I continue, I would like to take a few moments uh, as a body, as a community together to just pray, right? I know you guys pray during the week. I know it's not just on Sundays that we pray, but when do we have an opportunity to come together like this and pray, right? And so today... Um, we'll pray for Corey and Melissa here in just a second. I'll start, and I just ask that you would agree with me and maybe say a few of your own prayers of blessing for them. But I also, I know there's some people in our community um, that are hurting, that are either sick or they have burdens that they're carrying, whether it be psychological or mental or pain in their bodies or it's financial things or it's relationships or it's hurts and burdens. There's a lot of stuff, right? We all know somebody that's touched by some sort of pain that they're dealing with. And so we don't have time to go through everybody from the pulpit, but I know you know somebody. And so as I start that prayer, if you would begin to pray specifically for those people that you're aware of that need God to do something in their lives or help them through a difficult situation, okay? Can we do that? All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much that uh, we get to do what we do, that you've given us freedom, that you've given us life, that you're gracious and merciful and kind. As we think about your grace and your mercy and your kindness and your goodness, we, we ask that you would apply all those things to the lives of our, our pastor and his family, that as they're away on sabbatical, that you would bless them and that you would encourage them, that you would uh, lift up their spirits and give them energy and strength, that you would revitalize their soul and their bodies, that you'd bring healing to their bodies and to their hearts and to their minds, and that you would do amazing things, that they would get closer to you and closer to each other. Father, we pray also for those in our community that are dealing with difficult situations that carry heavy burdens, either sicknesses and diseases or family problems or relationships or misunderstandings or, or tensions and failings, God, mental stress, psychological pain and suffering. Father, we ask that you would help them and that you would bring healing and life and peace. Help us as a church body to rally around one another to rally around those that are suffering and those that are in need, the orphan, the widow, the stranger, God. Help us to love like you love and help us to help carry each other's burdens in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Amen. So uh, sabbatical is something that, um, or Sabbath, is something that Claudia and I kind of felt convicted about last year. And we started kind of looking into it and reading. Claudia's my wife, by the way, if you didn't know. Um, we started looking into and reading uh, my Brazilian wife. Uh, 
I always feel like I gotta add that. I don't know. <laughs> so, uh, so we started reading and looking into the Sabbath, and, um, and we got kind of convicted, like we haven't really been making it a priority in our lives. And so, I mean, this was back last fall that we started kind of looking into this stuff. And so it took us a few months, actually, to kind of get our calendars worked out. We had stuff planned already and all that. We had, it took us a while to order our lives in such a way that we could actually begin to practice Sabbath the way that we felt like God was leading us to. And, um, and so beginning at the beginning of this year, we started doing a practice of Sabbath on Sundays. We come, we worship with our family, and then we go home, and we don't do anything. And so we, we try to intentionally avoid planning things on Sunday. We, we go home, we eat, we nap, we, we do some things. That, some phrase that we've adopted is like on Sabbath, we, we rest and we play. No work. God loves us. And so we've kind of been saying that um, to ourselves, and we're not perfect at it. We've messed some things up sometimes, but, but it's been a real gift as we've tried to struggle through what that means in our modern day, in our modern life, and not make it a legalism thing like the Pharisees did and like Jesus talked about not doing because it's made for us, right? And so we found in it this, this peace and this relaxation and this time of rest, and um, one of the things that we were really learning is that in that, God does love us and he is enough, Right? And so that's another thing that, that we're saying with the, what we're choosing is to, to not put in a couple extra hours at the office on Sunday, not put a, a couple extra hours on a project because it doesn't have to be perfect. God didn't look at the day that he created and said it was perfect. He looked at the things that he created and he said, that's good. That's enough. I'm going to stop creating and I'm going to move on to something else, right? He stopped creating and he knew when it was enough. And that's something that we're learning in our Sabbath is when it's enough that we can trust God with the story of our lives. We can trust God with our finances. We can trust God with the project that needs to get done, but it can wait type situation. And so anyway, just an encouragement there. We rest, no work. God loves us. It's a good thing to think about for Sabbath. And maybe you want to look into it for yourself and for your own family. Um, But today, we started a series last week with Pastor G up here, um, Things I Wish Jesus Never Said, right? Or as Pastor G was joking in the office earlier, like, take it back, Jesus. (laughs) Just take it back. Wish you hadn't said that. Take it back, right? And so he started off the topic with uh, love your enemies, which is a, which is a big one, right? That one's kind of hard to swallow. Um, it's not just metaphorical, right? It's actual. And so one of my takeaways from his message, which you, if, you had, if you didn't get a chance to listen to it, of course, it's online. You can get it um, there on, on our app or wherever, all the places. And so, but my takeaway was that not only do you love your enemies, but you love your enemies actively, Right? Actively, that was the piece that like God was kind of challenging me in last week was actively love my enemies. Like, yeah, I know I gotta love them, but I don't have to like them, right? Like, I don't have to do things for them that make them think that I like them, right? I don't have to do nice things for them. But that was what God's like, no, you, you, gotta, you gotta love them actively. You can't just sit back and ignore them. You have to do something to replace. As Paul says in, um, in Romans, he says, uh, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they are thirsty, give them something to drink. In doing this, you'll heap burning coals of shame on their head. Do not let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing what? By doing good. And so something silly that kind of happened to me in the week. Of course, if you're really open to it and you really are seeking God and wanting God to transform you, you want the gospel to really change everything in your life, then you got to kind of pause throughout your life and look for those opportunities that God's like doing things. And so I'm driving back from Dallas. I don't know why it's always in the car that God likes to do things with me, but it just happens that stuff comes out in the car. Driving back from Dallas and I'm trying to merge over to the exit lane to get out. um, And there's a guy behind me. um, He's 
far enough back that I have space to get in, but I wanted to be kind and let him know I was coming in so I didn't just cut him off, right? So I put my blinker on. Of course he would be nice and kind and slow down and let me in, right? No, we know what he does because we all do it, right? He's just like, oh, he's not going to inconvenience me. I'm not going to slow down for one second to let this guy in. He speeds up. As soon as that blinker came on, he sped up. Oh! That was my enemy in that moment. I missed my exit. So much pain and difficulty and burden to go two minutes out of my way to get back on track, right? And so I... I, in my heart, I really wanted to bless this guy. And you know what kind of blessing I'm talking about, right? And as I was starting to express those ideas, the Holy Spirit's like, hey, remember Pastor G's message? So then I had to say, okay, God, I do want to actively try to apply this to my life, okay? God, without sarcasm, yes, God, bless him. I pray that you would help him get to where he's going safely. And it was really hard not to be sarcastic about it, but please help him not get pulled over by a police officer. Please help him not blow a tire or roll off into a ditch. God, please help him. <laughs> like, you know, you kind of think in your, but it was sincere. I really was leaning on God's spirit to help me bless him. We ended up at Bucky's, so not a big deal. All right. Uh, that's my little tidbit from last week. Rolling into this week, things that Jesus says that are hard for us, like how do we do that? How do we do what Jesus asks of us to do? How do we do things like love your enemies? And to that, I'll say we, um, we do things that, uh, that he says to do. <laughs> we do another thing or we practice another thing that's really hard to do is what we're talking about today, and that is deny ourselves. Deny ourselves. There's a part in scripture where Jesus says this in Mark 8, 34. He says, then calling the crowd to join his disciples, he said, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must what? All right. You can, you can participate with me. All right. This is a good thing. All right. So you must what? Give up your own way or deny yourself. That's the way I memorize it, right? And what? Take up your cross. Deny yourself. Take up your cross and follow him. So uh, the Amplified Version says, set aside selfish interests or express and express a willingness to endure whatever may come. And so I don't know um, about you, but uh, actually I kind of do because we're all human and I kinda, we all understand this part of ourselves. But have you ever um, reacted, responded, uh, made a decision, did something based on how you feel and what you wanted with no regard to others or to God. Has that ever happened to you before? I'm not the only one, right? Some of the examples might be complaining, complaining about a person, a situation, a inconvenience, a difficult thing, my AC went out. That's really hard not to complain about, right? Some of it might be complaining instead of expressing gratitude. It might be taking revenge on someone because of something that they did in your past and while you're not maybe not necessarily going right after them, if anything were ever to come in your court that would affect them, you're for sure gonna decide in a negative way and so that's your way to kind of get back at them. Maybe it's ignoring or missing a serving commitment that you have 
Like, uh, it's just volunteering anyway, so, you know, uh, I'm tired. <laughs> I think I feel something coming. So uh, maybe you, you don't show up to something that you've committed to. Or maybe it's repeating words or stories that may um, hurt someone else's reputation. Never mind the fact that it might not be true, it may be based on speculation and assumption, but you repeat it anyway because that's what you wanted to do, right? It felt good to have this piece of news and give it to somebody else, or you talk bad about somebody because they've done something to you with your friends without resolving the issue, or you hold a grudge towards somebody because of their actions or their attitudes or how they carry themselves, or uh, maybe it's about breaking an ethical or a moral law. I mean, after all, I have the right to live by my own set of rules. I just can do whatever I want to do and whatever feels right. Maybe it's like lying or stealing or cheating or any practice of the acts of the flesh that are listed in several different places like sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, hostility, jealousy, quarreling, outbursts of anger. That's in the same list. Dissensions, envy, factions, drunkenness, divisions. These things happen, right? We all have been dealing or have dealt with in some way or capacity or are still dealing with things that we do based on how we feel and what we want to do without regard to others or to God, right? Hopefully a few of those maybe right now God is clicking in your own world or in your own mind or in your own heart. And here's the thing. That's called, or the Bible describes it as, our sinful nature, right? Our sinful nature. Where does that come from? How did it get there? What is the origin of that within us, right? We got to go all the way back to the beginning in Genesis 3 where Adam and Eve decided to do what they wanted to do instead of what God wanted them to do. In doing that, something happened, right? Satan came to them, the devil came to them, said, oh, you know, did God say you couldn't eat of the trees? And Eve's like, no, he said we could eat of all the trees except for the one in the garden. And, and then Satan's like, oh, but, you know, you won't really die because God said if they eat that fruit, they'll die. And Satan's like, no, you won't really die. You'll just kind of be more like God. You'll know how to choose right from wrong. And you'll be your own God. It's like a shortcut to whatever you want in life, right? And they fell for it. And they died. Something died within them. And because of that, because of their disobedience, because of their unwillingness to deny themselves, we were all plunged into a life controlled by that sinful nature. We're born with it. We're a slave to it unless we trust Jesus to free us from it. So kind of, kind of a quick idea that you need to understand to help all this make sense is that we all understand that we're not just a physical body, right? Like we can... We, even just without scriptural teaching, you can think and know about that. You can understand that your body is more than physical. We're more than just what we can see, feel, and touch. Like our body, our, our physical body is our, our skin, our tissue, our organs. But then we have our inner man, our inner part, our soul. And our soul is made up of our, our mind, our will, our emotions, our consciousness. Our in, it's, it's, it's what lives on, right? It's what never dies. It's what always is going to be, our soul man. And in that soul man is also our spirit with inside of us. And the spirit man is the thing that died when Adam and Eve did what God told them not to do. 
The body's not what died in the garden, it was the spirit. That is why the Bible calls those who don't believe in Jesus as spiritually dead. Are you tracking with me? Okay. Our spirit's a part of us, but through the work of the cross, that's what Jesus resurrects, right? Without Jesus, our spirit is dead because of sin. And because of sin, we're a slave to that nature, that sinful nature, that flesh, that selfish self, self-self. We'll say a lot of self today. Which makes it impossible, because we're a slave to self, it makes it impossible for us to deny ourself, doesn't it? Makes it really hard, very difficult. Even just talking about we're going to deny ourselves, we're already kind of like, where's he going with this, right? Is he going to make me do a bunch of things I don't want to do? To beat sin and conquer death and bring new life, what did Jesus have to do? He suffered. Did he want to go to the cross? No, how I read it, Jesus said, if there's any way to take this cup from me, please do, right? Did he want to? He was a man just like you and I are humans. He had a flesh. He he experienced all the same desires and temptations that we did. So if you were facing an opportunity where you were going to die and you, you know, we think of the cross to these days as this, you know, jewelry or art or, you know, it's like, ooh, you know, but the cross for them, it meant one thing, public humiliation and execution, complete lack of control, complete submission to something that you didn't want to do. And so here is Jesus who was God yet didn't consider equality with God as something to be held on to, but he made himself and submitted himself to suffering, to death, so that we could have life. He obeyed God. He denied himself. He picked up his cross, right? So he calls us to do the same. Our struggle is that we try to preserve our lives, right? There's this instinct in us to save ourselves, to look out for number one. And part of our culture, and part of our comfort, and part of the things that we're surrounded with play into this idea of self-preservation. We fret and we fear that we won't have enough. We strive to do good. We even do things that we learn at church And we try to obey God. We even do things that we read in the Bible or learn at Sunday school. But we can only know the Father. We can only know God. We can only engage in the plans and the purposes that he has for our lives through his son, Jesus. And we can only know Jesus if we carry our cross. And we can only follow Jesus if we deny ourselves. You see... It's kind of paradoxical because we scrape and we claw to survive, but Jesus says this in Mark 8, continuing 35, if you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will, and for the sake of the good news, you will save it. It's kind of backwards, right? It's this kingdom of upside downness, this kingdom of, it kind of goes beyond what we understand or what we would think would be logical. And he continues, and what do you benefit if you gain the whole world and lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? 
We set aside our self-interest for the sake of the gospel because we also cannot be ashamed of Jesus because he continues in verse 38, if anyone is ashamed of me and my message in these adulterous and sinful days, the Son of Man will be ashamed of that person when he returns to the glory of his Father and with the holy angels. So there's this tension, right? There's this tension. There's this sinful self on the inside of us. There's this, uh, these selfish desires, this idea of trying to preserve ourselves or make ourselves feel a certain way, and we're surrounded by a culture of gratification and pleasing and just be happy, right? And we try to, and, and there's this, this, if we don't deny ourselves, we're always gonna choose the selfish route. If we don't go to the cross, if we don't go through Jesus, even the good that we do, and we'll talk about this a little bit more next time I'm up here, even the good that we do is not what God wants from you. Without taking up the cross and dying to our selfish self, we will always self-preserve, always self-gratify, always put our self-interests before anyone or anything else, including Jesus. And so that tension that our selfish self creates it almost seems like it's so great that we, we like need somebody to help us, right? It almost seems like it's so big that it's so difficult to carry our own cross that we need, we need a source of strength. We need something else to free us, to help us along. And so here's the thing, and we're gonna look at this, but we need to depend on the Holy Spirit to help us deny ourselves and trust God's story for our lives. We need to depend on the Holy Spirit to deny ourselves and trust God's story for our lives. Paul understood this tension very well. In Romans 7, he says this, I have discovered this principle at life, that when I wanna do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. I love God's law with all my heart, but there's another power within me that is at war with my mind, the power that makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? And we say a collective, who? 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 Jesus. Jesus. To know him, to know Jesus, to know, like Paul said, to know him and the power of his resurrection, to know his ways, to know his heartbeat to know his love, to know his character, to know his wisdom, to know him, to follow him, the way, the truth, the life, his joy. He is a treasure. He is a pearl of great value, a life source of unspeakable vitality. Who will save us from this wrestling and this warring, this sinful nature that's within that causes us to do things that we know we shouldn't do, but we do them anyway? Thank God's in verse 25, he says, the answer is Jesus Christ, our Lord. So you see how it is. In my mind, I really want to obey God's law, but because of my sinful nature, I am a slave to sin. And so what gives? Like, we, know, we understand that Jesus is, is that that's the thing. That's, that's who we need. It's all about him, but what does he use? What does he employ? How do we access this freedom that Christ has provided for us? Because Paul continues to say in chapter 8, so now there is no condemnation for those who belong in Christ Jesus. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. 
The law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. The law of Moses, the thing that became apparent to us when we ate the fruit, the trying to choose the right from the wrong and trying to do the right thing on our own, we are too weak by our sinful nature to make that happen. So God did what the law could not do. He sent his son in bodily like in a body like the bodies we sinners have. And in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sins. He did this so that the judgment of the law would be fully satisfied for us who no longer follow our what? Who no longer follow our sinful nature. But instead, what do we got to do? Follow the Spirit. Follow the Spirit. Jesus before he left his disciples, and I've talked about this before, he comforted them by saying, I'm going to send you somebody that's going to help you. Who is that somebody that Jesus sent that's going to help us? The Holy Spirit. He talks about, Paul talks about similar spiritual concept in Galatians too, as well. In chapter 5, he says, For you have been called to live in freedom. My brothers, and that's kind of a buzzword for us, right? America, freedom. Woo! You have been called to live in freedom. More than just the kind of freedom that we get to enjoy, but freedom from what? Your sinful nature. Freedom from making the choices that you don't want to make. Freedom from hating your enemies, right? But don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to what? What are we supposed to do with our freedom in Jesus? Serve yourself. Make sure you have what you have so then you can help others. Make sure that you're first. Make sure that you're taken care of. Make sure, what are you supposed to do? We are supposed to take what God has done for us and use it to be a blessing of life and love to others. Not to do what our selfish self wants to do, but to freely serve others in love. We have the freedom because of Christ if we depend on him and his spirit that's inside of us when we believe. If we depend on the spirit of God inside of us, we can do what's required of us. We can separate ourselves out from the sinful nature that lurks within us and is constantly influenced by sources outside of us as well. You have the freedom to set aside your selfish interests in order to do the hard things that Jesus teaches us to do Loving your enemies, denying yourself, picking up your cross and following him. You have the freedom to set aside your selfish interests in order to be hospitable to others, in order to be kind. You have the freedom to set aside your inner turmoil so that you can be patient. You have the freedom to make choices about humility. You have the freedom to make choices about being gentle and faithful and forgiving and peaceful and understanding and loving. It kind of sounds like you have the freedom to kind of be like Jesus. Aren't we supposed to be like Jesus? How often, though, do we make excuses, but I'm just a sinner, saved by grace? That's true. That statement is very, very true. But Paul says don't use that as an excuse. Don't use that as a freedom for yourself, but use it so that you can depend on the Holy Spirit to deny yourself and ultimately trust God's story for your life. Galatians 
5, 16 and 17 says, so I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be able to do what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other so that you are not free to carry out what? What? Doesn't that seem odd? My good intentions? So that you're not free to carry out the things that you want to do in your own strength. There is what you want to do, whether it's good, bad, or ugly. And then there's what God wants to do through us or what God wants us to do. And we accomplish God's plans by what? What's our scripture? Deny ourselves, take up our cross, and follow Jesus. We accomplish his purposes by following Jesus. And to follow Jesus, we have to endure the pain that's produced by denying ourselves the situations that come up when we say no to certain things because it's what we want to do but it's not what god or the spirit leads us to do sometimes that leads to cross-bearing you want to save yourself then lay your life down to follow jesus those who belong to christ jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Or as the message version says, we actually, this is what took place. I tried keeping the rules of working my head off to please God, and it didn't work. So I quit being a lawman so that I could be God's man. Christ's life showed me how and enabled me to do it. I identified myself completely with him. That sounds a little bit like following Jesus, doesn't it? Indeed, I have been crucified with Christ. Oh, there's that cross-bearing thing again. My ego is no longer central. It is no longer important that I appear righteous before you or have your good opinion. I am no longer driven even to impress God because Christ lives in me. The life you see me living is not mine, but is lived by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I am not going back to that other way. Paul's letters and teachings and Jesus' teachings are full of this idea of giving up the self and depending on the Spirit. So denying yourself the two things that, that Jesus tells us to do that make it or seem difficult for us to follow him, one is the denying yourself part. What does that even mean, right? It brings this, this kind of tension inside of us. And you may even be tempted or tempted by the devil or maybe the own deceit within your heart that says when you say the my, myself, you mean be miserable, right? You mean, you mean become a martyr. You mean disconnect from all happiness. You mean... You mean lose even my personality. Lose the part of me that makes me me. Lose, lose my individuality. That's what you mean by deny yourself. It's really close, right? It seems like it's right. It sounds like something that an enemy who masquerades like somebody who speaks the truth might say. That's what he wants you to think. 
That's what he wants you to be deceived with because he knows the true gift, the true life that you will find if you choose to deny yourself. It's been said that if you want to delight the devil, then refuse to deny yourself. Jesus says, if you cling to yourself, if you cling to you and your way of life and your understanding of how things should be, the way that you want things to be, then you will lose. You want to keep your life? You want to truly find yourself? Do you want to experience this unspeakable joy that can bring a lasting type of happiness no matter the circumstances that are going on in your life? Things could be horrible in your life. I mean, we talked about this a couple weeks ago. Pastor Ron said, life is hard, right? We all know that. But there's, there's something in the way that we follow Jesus that makes life a joy, no matter the circumstances. There's been a teaching out there that says, like, if you follow Jesus and have enough faith, then everything's going to be great. Suffering is done. But it sounds to me like Jesus is saying, suffering is the tool that I use to work the stuff out of you so that you can be full of the Spirit of God, so that you can become more like me. And that's where this relationship with God begins to become more real and more intimate and more personal is when you say, not me, not what I want. Jesus, help me to do what you want me to do. We need to depend on the Holy Spirit to be able to do that, to trust God's story for our lives. The second part, to take up your cross. Now, we already talked about this idea of cross-bearing is not a piece of jewelry around your neck, right? It meant one thing to those guys. It's the way that Rome dealt with the terrorists against their nation, and it was only reserved for the terrorists and those that rebelled against the authority of the rule of Rome. And so their last act of life was to be completely humiliated in submission with no control to the very authority that they tried to buck against. We may think of the, the cross as, well, you know, we all have our cross to bear, referring to like an annoying um, in-law or something, right? <laughs> and that's kind of funny to say, but... Don't think that's what Jesus was talking about. It's a little bit more, um, I don't know that dramatic is the word, but it's more intense for sure. It's more than just the variety of difficulties and inconveniences and frustrations that come along. It's more than that. It's more than a slogan. It's more than an occasional difficult situation that happens. Taking up one's cross is a way of life. Constantly focusing on God and trusting him and relying on his strength. No one can really tell you what that looks like for you, right? If you try to repeat what somebody else is trying to do in their life because of what God has led them to, that doesn't really work because you have to be led by the Spirit. You have to live a life that's dependent on the Holy Spirit, allowing him to lead you and guide you. Self-denial and cross-bearing ultimately are a call to complete and utter surrender to the Lordship of Jesus. 
And in case you're tempted to think that that's too heavy of a burden, we have to have faith to believe that Jesus meant what he said when he said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I think we have to take a step of faith into the things that we have to deny. And yes, they're difficult, but I think in that faith, as we act towards what God wants us to do, there's a wellspring of life. There's a strength. There's a a renewal. There's a passion. There's a vibrancy. There's a communion with Jesus because it talks about if you suffer, then you can commune also with Christ because he suffered. It's not too heavy of a burden to deny ourselves and to, to, to carry the cross that God leads us to so that we can follow Jesus. We can depend on the Holy Spirit. The cross means death, but through it, he gives life, true life, not the fake plastic stuff. So we need to keep in step with the Spirit. And so I'll end with a couple of comments on, on how And I want to kind of talk about how with a personal struggle that I've had because the Holy Spirit really is our teacher and he really is our guide and he really can help us. But in order for us to do the how part, first we have to understand and believe that it's possible, right? That it's not a practice that's for super Christians. I don't know if you've ever thought about, but super Christians don't exist. There's only one super Christian and it's super Christ, right? We are all in the same category of Christian. And so, and if you're tempted to think that Jesus was just talking to the 12, nope. It says in the scripture that he called the other people that were there as he began to talk about this. So it's for all of us that wish to preserve, ultimately preserve our life. The message version paraphrases the Jesus part like this. Anyone who intends to come with me has to let me lead. You are not in the driver's seat. I am. Don't run from suffering. Embrace it. Follow me and I will show you how. Self-help is no help at all. Self-sacrifice is the way, my way, to saving yourself, your true self. What good would it do to get everything you want but lose you, the real you, What could you ever trade for your soul? Personal struggle to end this out and maybe help kind of give you some ideas of how you might be able to apply this to your own life. Um, You know, we live in America and some people are richer than others, right? Some people have more than others. Some people work harder. Some people have different, different situations, different circumstances. And it's hard not to notice sometimes what others have and what you don't. And by what others have and what you don't, I mean what others have and what I don't. (laughs) When somebody gets a a new car, a new vehicle, uh, when somebody's able to update their house or make those uh, adjustments or those, the add-on or put the pool in, or when somebody's able to buy the camper or the boat, or when somebody is able... um, to get the stuff that you want, that I want. Fully funded 527 for the boys college or better investment or you know the American culture stuff, 
And for some reason, uh, it's, it's hard to combat against, for me, it's hard to combat against me looking at what others have and wanting it. And because my culture around me says that it's not enough to have what you have, that there's always something bigger, that there's always something better, there's always something more. Hey, look at this new invention. You've got to get this. You've got to have this. It's, it's like we're driven by advertising or this comparison game. And when I'm attentive enough, I notice that, that I've, when, I, when I see those things, there's this twist in me. And if I'll pause for a minute and, and, and ponder what is, what is going on, oh, that might be some jealousy creeping up in me. Or that might be some envy creeping up in me. And I realize that when I'm in those modes of operation, when I'm seeing things that people have wishing that I had it, um, I'm not very happy. Uh, I go about my work with less energy. I struggle with what am I even doing in life? Am I in the right place? Am I doing the right thing? Maybe I just need to go, I don't know, do something else. Like I, you kind of lose, you lose vision and you lose hope. It's amazing what like one little thing creeping in can turn and twist into. But in the moment where I'm attentive enough to it, if I can stop for a moment and just try to identify without judgment, like just God, what, what is this, why is this going on? Rather than, because God's not up there saying you shouldn't feel that way, he's like, hey, pay attention, right? And so when I, when, I, when I recognize and realize that that twist is going on inside of me, then what is my next step? And so this is where I can put my Jesus following things into practice. And, and I've just started to come up with this for me, this personal practice of just taking a deep breath so that I can focus and realize that I am, I am intentionally trying to deal with this God. I'm twisted and I don't know why. It might be jealousy, it might be envy. I don't know that person that cut me off. I, why did it make me feel that way? Like, why am, I, why am I not joyful? Why is there this heavy burden feeling in me? Jesus, I surrender. And there's power. Like the hymn, power in a complete surrender to him. And I'm not trying to tug on your heartstrings there. That was just, I don't know what that was. But uh, if we can deny that feeling in ourselves, and yeah, like some of the things that we don't have may be a cross for us. It may be a burden to carry. But if we'll like flip the situation, Jesus, I follow you. It's yours, I surrender. Then the spirit will bring life to our body. The more you get to know Jesus and the work of Holy Spirit in your life, one little moment like that at a time, the more you're able to deny yourself and carry the burden, carry the cross.
it's true, the cross is not pleasant. It's not meant to be. And why would we choose to put ourselves in that situation? Why did Jesus do it? He did it for life, for others. And he calls us to do the same. We can't call others to Jesus and to the life of Jesus without having the life in ourself as well. But we can look at the denial of ourselves and the carrying of our cross like Jesus did, who for the joy set before him endured it because he knew what it meant in the end. So the ultimate way, the ultimate act of self-preservation, right? The real self-preservation is self-denial. And we have to depend on the spirit of God to deny ourselves. Let's pray. Babies, let me know it's time to end, so. <laughs> Which is great. We love you. <laughs> uh. Let's pray. And here's what I'm going to do. If, if you just kind of get still, as still as you can be, and sometimes that means dropping your head and closing your eyes. That's kind of where that comes from, right? So that you can focus on what's going on inside of you and what God might bring to the surface that maybe he wants to help you deny and allow him to help you carry that cross or that burden. And so I'm gonna pray just for a quick sec and then I'm gonna read our passage in the message version again. And I just want you to listen and pay attention to the words and what God might speak in you. And we may pause for like, just a few seconds of just kind of contemplating. Don't judge yourself as you're listening to that. Just allow God to kind of speak to maybe what he might want to do to free you from something in your life. And then when I say amen, just get up and go about it, all right? Heavenly Father, you are a God of second chances and third chances and 137 chances. There's no one like you. You truly do want the best for us. And while sometimes our own understanding and our flesh screams against what we're supposed to do and how we're supposed to go about it, you give us the grace to keep going. Father, I pray that as a church body that we would grow deeper in our roots of our faith. That maturity, spiritual maturity would well up in us. That we would get beyond just the acts of repentance and baptism. That we would go deeper in our relationship, in our knowledge of you. And that your spirit would lead us there as we take the part that we're supposed to do, leaning on you to be able to do it, to deny ourselves, to set aside what we want, to pick up our cross and follow you. Anyone who intends to come with me has to let me lead. You're not in the driver's seat. I am. 
Don't run from suffering. Embrace it. Follow me, and I'll show you how. Self-help is no help at all. Self-sacrifice is the way, my way, to saving yourself, your true self. What good would it do to get everything you want and lose you, the real you? What could you ever trade your soul for? Amen.